What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Yannick on Chelsea podcast with me, Yann. How you guys doing? Today's another special episode, another guest episode. Originally, I was planning to do another Q&A, but I had the opportunity to get a Everton fan on, but more importantly, a football coach, a um, football analyst, and uh, a gent that's worked with uh, Optistats and all sorts of interesting things, a guy called Callum Wyatt. Um, before I get into the uh, the show, I just want to sort of apologise for audio quality. We were having some technical difficulties with... Um, software and stuff on them and a couple of a couple of bits but uh, I tried to clean up as much as possible and post and it is bearable and it's a really interesting um, conversation so it's a uh, it's a great episode I want to get him back and um, and when I do we'll uh, we'll have uh, all the technical difficulties ironed out so guys I hope you enjoy it um, and yeah let's get into it all right guys and as promised here's my second guest of the show Quite appropriately, I've got an Evertonian I've, who is a, he's a football analyst, um, Callum Wyatt. He, uh, he works for Optistat. And, uh, actually, do you, want to, do you want to introduce yourself, Callum, and uh, tell the listeners what you do? That would be great. Yeah, yeah um, I got involved in football um, around um, 14 years ago now and became a, wow. um, a football coach. And from then, I've gone on and done me, me badges and stuff. So I'm a UEFA qualified coach. Um, coach of various academies, and I'm a, I'm a professional football coach now. That's um, amazing. And co- coach every week um, at an academy. Um, and the last the last two years, I've sort of got into into the analysis side off my own back, really, and just looked at um, developing, obviously myself, really, and, and me observations of games. So I'm qualified in ProZone, so right. the same as level level one, two, and three. So I, I, I analyze quite a lot of games now in my spare time and. Just produce some some work really off my own back, and it's something that I really got an interest for now. So brilliant! I'd say that's really interesting. So you've got the um, you've had the experience in terms of coaching, so you can watch it. I mean, I've gone to watch football, but from from a coaching perspective, seeing it in front of you firsthand, that must be so like uh, well, having the coach's eyeballs that must be incredibly insightful. Because I like the idea of analysing football, but I've never coached a side. So you must have a you must have a pretty decent um, ability now to analyse football better. Yeah, it sort of goes hand in hand, I think, doesn't it? Because obviously, with your coaching and stuff, you especially when you get to the, you know doing your UEFA stuff, you need to know team formations and shape and yeah. uh, how teams defend and, and and attack and stuff. So once you obviously watch games now and analyse them, you see things that you've covered before and, and trends and stuff. So sure. it is a lot easier to pick out uh, if yeah. you've seen and stuff so but it, you know analyzing is one of them things that you can you can over analyze at times as well and stuff but finding trends and how teams play and stuff it's yeah. a as itself it's, it's a massive part of modern day football yeah, that, now yeah that's really interesting using the term trends because um obviously I, 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 that's a big thing in modern day football like as a chelsea fan obviously um uh, you know, with the the formation change of Conte last season, that was very much a a prevalent trend in the in the league, where suddenly everyone changed, and then everyone seems to have changed back. So it's interesting that from a from a coach's perspective, that's that's a big thing to see what everyone's doing, right? Yeah, I'm sure thing it is as well. And you know, I think obviously with the obviously the top managers and obviously like Sari as well, you know, he can adapt their formations at any given time and stuff. So you yeah. know, in certain games you will see him 
obviously made changes formation or you know change player personnel and that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's. it's yeah, it's good. interesting. And uh, and you as a coach, you got to learn to um, start shouting at your left back and, <laughs> and all the all the on field stuff. Of course, of course. Cool. All right, mate. Well, we can get into like the um, the sort of uh, the alter the alterations of formations, this, that, and the other, when we talk a bit more about both Everton and the Chelsea, mate. But uh, earlier today, we had the game at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea versus Everton, nil-nil. Um, I'll, I'll get your thoughts on the game, but I'll quickly sort of uh, spout how I felt about it. I think it was a very good game, actually. I think it was a very entertaining game for like a few different reasons. Uh, yeah. Everton, well, I think were really, really good. I knew they were going to be difficult, um, but I think the way they approached, uh, their approach was very good. And um you know, I think everyone has got such a sort of, um, certainly now, or certainly growing. I, I, okay, for me, I've got a really high opinion of Marco Silva. Um, there was a time where I would have, you know, before I knew what was happening, with Con- uh, Sa- uh, uh, before Sari was coming, I was sort of like thinking, you know what, I'd have him at Chelsea at one point, because apparently he's a very like meticulous manager. But we'll, we'll get onto that as well when we talk about Everton a bit more. Um I think it was, if you look at it statistically, Chelsea were quite dominant in terms of possession, as you'd expect, and yeah. sort of a lot of chances, but the way Everton played, they sort of denied us a lot of chances, and apart from um, Willian not squaring a ball to Morata, that to me yeah. would have been a, an absolute tap-in, um, yeah. I thought Everton's approach to the game was, was probably perfect. Um, wh- what do you think? How do you think the game went? And uh, what do you think were sort of standout moments or uh, elements? Yeah, well, I think, um, funnily enough, you could say it, because I was analysing Chelsea last week um, for a different reason, actually. Um, I was doing like, um, a pre-match analysis on, obviously, Chelsea before they played Everton. And yeah. I look at how they played against Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at how Palace set up in terms of defensively. They've done the same in terms of formation. They played a 4-4-2 up to possession um, with Zahar and Townsend um, mm. filtering in. I think, like you said before, Everton was a lot more organised. It was a lot more disciplined. Um, and I think the most important thing today for Everton it was the distance and angles of the players. Um, they didn't allow any pockets at all. Interesting. On occasions, whereas when... Palace played, I think it was the second goal when it led to the free kick. It actually came from the goal kick, actually. Right, yeah. It, it, Palace, Palace tried to press with a two, and Chelsea played out with a back three and then played it into Jorginho, who started an attack. I think he right. won and then scored. So, in terms of Everton today, they, they really nullified Chelsea, I thought, in terms of obviously that Richarlison come deep and Sigurdsson. If you, if you watch the early part of the game, Sigurdsson was really sacrificing his whole game to, to mark Jorginho. Yes. Um, and if Jorginho tried to swap sides and go on the other side, it was then Richardson then filled in. And that was really frustrating for, for Chelsea, really, because when Chelsea play into Louise and, and Rudiger, um, they then try to get, obviously, Jorginho on the ball because he's the one who instigates all the attacks. Yeah, the register. Um, yeah, and it was frustrating for Chelsea because they, could, they couldn't get him on the ball. So they were trying to find a plan A and a plan B. And even them playing a wide, you know, you had Bernard um, and Walcott on the front foot. So when it did go wide, you know, they were really aggressive with the pressing and, you know, the Chelsea players couldn't really turn and go forward, so it, was, it kept coming back. Mm. Uh, and if you look at the second half, you know, how many balls did Rudiger and Louise play diagonally in, in the second half yeah. to bypass that press type thing? So Absolutely. The game, 
the game plan did change from Sadi as the game went on. Yes, and that was um, that was very very. Um, I could see very much that it went to sort of diagonal long ball towards the latter part of the, the game, and um, although you know it's nice to see Louise spring like a long diagonal sometimes if it lands on a advancing fullback. Yeah, it, it shows also that we've we've changed our game and. Um, and certainly for like the last sort of 10-15 minutes, it just seemed like we lost how to play completely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it. Okay, so yeah, yeah you've, you've made some really interesting uh, points there. And uh, I, I think Sigerson's been a, is excellent um, since uh, Silver's come in and he's actually playing in a sort of dedicated 10 and he's, you know, there's no sort of confusion of who the 10 is. And it looks a bit more like it's being built around him, in, in my opinion, which is... Which yeah. is Really, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, cool. And it's interesting what you say as well about he he sort of, you know, there is an element of stop Jorginho, stop Sari ball, uh, which, you know, it, well, there's an element that's pretty much the case of how it works. But um, it's interesting that you say that when he couldn't, Richarlison stepped in and did that. And, and for me, um, Richarlison before, or certainly up to recently, seemed like quite an ill, not... I don't want to say ill-disciplined, but maybe more of a naive footballer, but such a talented footballer. But for him to be given specific instruction from Silver like that, not just to play his game and, and do do a bit more, I think that's kind of a telling of how he's becoming a better all-round footballer. Yeah. Which, which you, probably, yeah. Probably. Okay, think, so... Go on, go on, mate. I think with, with Silver, since he's came in, I think his philosophy, everyone's buying into it. So. Yeah. In terms of whatever drills or in terms of information that he does give the players, they seem to be really receptive to it, mm. uh, and you really give it their all. So obviously, the Charleston changed position out to obviously a nine rather than obviously a wide player. Mm. Uh, he's having to do different things, but you know, going to Chelsea away, obviously we haven't won there in, in nearly twenty-four yeah, years. Yeah, it's nearly the, like the Spurs record, isn't it? Yeah, so like since nineteen ninety-four, I think one 0 when Ride out scored. So right. No, I think it was an important game where we had to try and, okay, can we compete now with top six sides? Mm. Go to Stamford Bridge and, you know, can we get a result? And, you know, we pulled out all the stops, really, and I think for us to get a result at Stamford Bridge, I don't think many teams will this season. Mm. Um, yeah. We had to be at our best, but it had to be everyone, as an 11 players, had to be on it defensively um, from the start, really. Absolutely well-deserved from you guys, though. Um, you know, I, I can only be frustrated with Morata losing his head. Like, although he looks like he's coming into a bit, a better sort of rate, uh, a better vein of form, he's still he's literally lost his head. He was doing his sort of Spanish flopping about trick when um, yeah. you know he wants to buy buy everything, and it, it's frustrating for Chelsea fans because he um, he sees him. You know, we've seen him do a bit better, but I, I want to put a pin in that, Callum. If that's all right, because um, uh, we we will talk about Chelsea a little bit, but the, I think we've discussed the game and it, it was um. There wasn't like loads of loads of talking points more than was kind of what we said in terms of Silver had a sort of an intelligent plan that was well executed. So um, yeah. now I've got you on, I'd take this opportunity to talk about Everton a little bit. Um, I think looking at the lineup before this game, I was watching it with my uh, brother-in-law and we were going, oh, bloody hell, like from, from back to front now in terms of a settled 11, we were saying that is yeah. a good team now. You know, like look, there was... Um, the last couple of years, it seemed a bit mixed and matchy, and it d- didn't seem so sure. But look, looking at that eleven now, it seems quite an accomplished eleven. Um, can, can I get just um, give you like a couple of minutes to, to get your opinion on how you think Everton are now uh, in terms of like uh, you know not just um, in terms of uh, Silver's appointment. You know, obviously, I think Silver is a big part of it. But where Everton are, how you feel about the eleven? 
and um, maybe what your ambitions are on the league. If you can uh, have a little have a little run and tell me your thoughts generally. Yeah, I think no, I, th- I think now you look at it now. That, you know, the last few weeks there hasn't really been a change in personnel for Everton. He mm. sort of stuck with with the same eleven, and that always helps. Um, you know, playing the same team week in week out it does help with players gelling and that kind of stuff. But I think there's a real balance now. And I think before Silver came in, Everton didn't have a balance. Um, for me, Human didn't know his best eleven. Um, it was chopping and changing every single week. Obviously, Rooney was a massive influence on yeah. that. But we sort of accommodated Rooney, I thought. Yeah, so you, before, before, sorry, mate, to interrupt, but before you move on, I want you to sort of carry on elaborating just quickly why you said Rooney. Um, obviously, he's having a wicked time in the States. In the, I don't want to go into like the... Yeah. Should he should he come to the England yeah. again or not? But do, do you think his time his time back at Everton was ultimately good or bad? Because it looked like he was your top scorer, I think, for a while. I don't know if he ended your top scorer, but it looked yeah. like it was going to be great. But there was also an argument that, like you just said there, to accommodate him was actually to your detriment. So what do you, what do you think? Should he have come back? I don't know. He, he done really <laughs> well, did me at the start and stuff. But I, you know, we, we bought like. Two or three number tens, and then yeah, Sigurdsson for you know a lot of money. Was it as well? Yeah, you know as as well. So you know we just didn't spend the money well, and you know Sigurdsson for me, you know he's a top player. If you play him in the right position, he'll I get agree. your assists, he'll get your goals. You know he'll break lines with his passes. Absolutely. Um, and, you know he was he was playing lots of position every week, and you know by Everton fans he was he was getting slated at times. Yeah, free kicks the, as well. He's a free kick monster, isn't he? Oh yeah, and his talents aren't bad neither as well. So yeah, all right, okay, yeah. So sorry, right. I just wanted to get your sort of two cents of Rooney there while you're talking. But yeah, keep going, mate. What, what, where you think you are at the moment, and um, maybe like ambitions as well. I think I think ambitions for Everton now. I think with, with especially with Marcel Brands coming out, director of football, he's got a real vision, and mm. I think it, it is a rebuilding process um, of you know a proper structure from getting. You know, I think Brands said the other day he said. He'd rather wait a bit longer and get the right player in Everton rather than get someone earlier and not be the right fit for Everton. So I think the recruitment side now is really strong in terms of identifying players that Everton want. Yeah. Uh, with the philosophy that obviously Silver wants. Um, mm. I think I think this season will be rebuilding. You know, what can Everton hope for this season? Can they maybe get in the top six? Potentially. Uh, but, you know, you've got the, like, the Bournemouth in there. You've got Watford in there. Um, type thing, you know. You've got even, you know, you've got, you've got, you've got City, United, Chelsea. You know, you've got big teams in there. So yeah. Everton, get, Everton might get, you know, seventh this season. We don't know, but I think the important thing for Everton is, is, you know, keep attracting players. I think, you know, getting Richarlison in was it was a great buy. I know, albeit it was always too much money. He's this and he's that, but you know, I think he's going to be a great player. No, um, I, yeah, I, okay. So yeah, uh, my my thoughts with Richarlison, I. When, when he was bought for that amount of money, um, I originally, my, my speculation, my thoughts, and I was speculating about it, that it might have been a little bit of a sort of... Um, uh, uh, no, 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 not even, not even. I think it may have been a bit of a sort of a, a, a compensation sort of handshake with, uh, with Watford. Like, look, we know it all sort of screwed up with Everton and the head turn and, you know... Um, this is a little bit of a sort of I don't know because they've done it before with Chelsea and Jorginho is a perfect example uh, Sari got uh, got sacked or wanted to come to Chelsea but uh, De, De Laurentiis the Napoli owner didn't want to just let him go he hired Ancelotti 
but wouldn't yeah. wouldn't release. Sorry, um, and we ended up paying uh, fifty seven million for something for Jorginho, which you know, in hindsight, for how we play, you could say that's fine. But at, you know, that was a lot of money, and there was a sort of understanding that we paid slightly over the odds, over what the agreed uh, fee was with City. I think they agreed. 50 million or something and we yeah. paid 57 but there yeah. was a, there was a sort of understanding that that was something to do with uh sari's release um without us paying for him and so, you know there's some sort of like whether it's like protecting your pride and not paying his release clause and or whatever it is maybe there was a touch of that sort of post with uh watford and richarlison i thought yeah. maybe because because you you guys got silver and um you know, ever since the the original head turn when it all went downhill at Watford, that there might have been a little bit of putting a band-aid over that, maybe. But that was just like a sort of external speculation from me. Yeah, I think I think obviously that the Everton way as well, I think that was um, a, a real a real rumour that was flying around and yeah. that was the behind the inflated price or whatever. So, you know, it's an inflated price, but you know, if you if you want to buy a Premier League player these days um, yeah. who, who's got a you know a good record you are going to pay over the odds. I think. Yeah. I think also because he because he um he started really brightly and everyone for, for Watford and everyone thought what a talent and he just sort of I don't want to say fell off a cliff but that would have been maybe with the context of how the club was going and everything. But um I think Mark uh, Silva is obviously proving everyone or proving himself right to everyone saying no I've seen this kid you know he's he's hot shit I've seen he can put these goals away he's a, he's a you know he's got an engine and look he's doing it now no problem uh, you just got to treat him right sort of thing and uh, you know Everton are in a great position with him I mean, I mean he's how old is he like 21 yeah 21 and yeah. he must have signed like what a five-year contract plus yeah, I don't think he's signed along well I'm not sure in terms of what it was but yeah he would have signed a lot one so yeah, yeah. Everton definitely won it yeah a long-term prospect. Yeah, so us, us signing Kepa Ariza Balaga down to seven years. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going anywhere, lad. All right, um, cool. Okay, so yeah, I I think, um, to get my sort of uh, take on Everton, I think um, it's been a, such a sort of strange quantity over the last couple of years, but um, they look, everyone says, when you hear people talk about Marco Silva from Hull to Watford to Everton, Everyone yeah. says he's so meticulous. And when a manager is meticulous, there comes sort of success. It's the sort of, and that, you know, it's, it's kind of like Conte, same with sort of Conte, you know, original vintage Mourinho, um, you, you know, not maybe not so much now. We'll, we'll get a bit more on that later. <laughs> but um, I feel, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know, top six, it's... Um, a bit it, um, yeah, I mean, seven. Ever, when people say where should Everton finish, um, yeah. people say like seventh. You know, maybe like people say the same about Leicester as well. But since you know the season after the title, you'd think like, oh yeah, they'd sort of go down to where they belong, which is maybe now about seventh-ish sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I think I think looking at that team, I had that sort of lucid moment earlier when I looked at the lineup, and you're like, oh yeah, you know, looking pretty darn balanced and strong. So. I think, I, think the problem, I think the problem is the Premier League now is, you know, the, the spending power. Uh, you, yeah. can see a, you can see a real difference in quality, in, I think, in between the top four, um, top five, and then obviously below that, it's, there's a massive difference in terms of quality and yeah. player personnel and stuff. You know, there is a massive divide now, and to close the gap on you know, the big teams, it, it is difficult. You've got to get your recruitment right. You've got to get the right players in. Um, and, you know, that's what you're always up against, you know. It's, it's very difficult, but if Everton can keep showing progress and you know go away to like Stamford Bridge and you'll get good results, then it shows Everton fans that Everton are improving. I think absolutely. 
Everton, what Everton want to see. You know, in the past, we've gone to Old Trafford, we'd be, you know, beef 4 nil. We went there the other week, got beat 2-1, we were lucky enough to get a point. You know, we played yeah. Arsenal away, um, and Peter Cech got man of the match. So, yeah. you know, we've been, you know, really unlucky in terms of missing out on the win. So, you know, for Everton to see good progress on the silver, it shows that we're going in the right direction, I think. Sure. Uh, before we move on to Chelsea, I want to just get a final point on Everton. Would you want to keep Richarlison as your nine uh, centre-forward or, you know, would it be Tosin or how do you feel about Calvert-Lewin? Just give me a quick what, rundown on what you think about that before we go to you Chelsea. Know, you know what's a funny one about that? I was on um, a YouTube channel the other weekend. It was before the... What game was it before? Um, it was before the Man United game, actually. Yeah. And we were speaking about... After the Palace game, what team Everton should go with again at Old Trafford? Um, and for me, obviously looking at United's lineup, obviously after Young was going to play out wide right um, as, as a right back, and for me, I'd put Rich Allison against them every day of the week. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I would have done. You know, you see him against today, Ashley Young, and he struggled against pace and stuff. But Everton obviously decided again to put him up top, which you know we can play, he can score goals, but yeah. for me. I think his 1v1 domination, you know, him running at players, that's when he's at his best. Mm. Uh, you see his goal the other day against against Brighton at home where he's, oh. he's got the ball, he's knocked it past him, he's running the goal, he's gone around the keeper. And that's his game. You know, you're playing him up front as a nine, he's then got his back to goal for the majority of the game. And I think it takes away a lot of yeah. his attacking qualities, I think. Shades, uh, of, shades of Eden Hazard on the Conte playing as a nine and not getting his best qualities as a wide left. Because all you all you all you play then back to goal. So you know, I think we played Manchester United. You know, United just got tight to him when he came deep for the ball, so he wasn't allowed to. And we found it really difficult to you know to get in behind. So, but again, we've got Bernard, who's you know a real great prospect, and he's really good. Yeah. So I think it's not accommodate, but just to keep that balance. I, I'd love Richard Arsenal on the left, and I think maybe come January. I think Everton might buy a forward, and then Richarlison might go wide left, and we get a real. So not goal. not Tosin. I don't know. I think I think Tosin can finish. Um, I just don't think in terms of the Premier League. He hasn't set the world alight, has he? Yeah, I think you know you look at top teams. You know, maybe, maybe the exception of Harry Kane. You you need players who can run in behind who have got who've got pace. Um, you've got looks of City. You've got Aguero, um, Chelsea, Morata. He's not he's not really quick, but you know he, he can get in behind. Yeah, he's quite cloak and dagger. You've got. Abamyang, Lacazette, quick players, and and I just think if they're going to have you know that attacking thing, you know, real quick pace, I think someone else playing up top as a nine, um, a real strike who can score headers as well when crosses come in, and yeah. that's Richard on the left. Yeah, you need you and need maybe, that you need that in the prem. Yeah, and then maybe Bernard on the, on the right potentially as the wall cup. Then that would offer something, but I don't know. It depends in what Silver decides to do, but I. I I just can't see Richarlison playing there long term. I just can't see it. Really. No, yeah, I'd probably agree. He looks like a more of the sort of, you know, cultured uh, uh, left-sided forward. He's, he does play on the left, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He reminds me a bit of him. Um, he's going to come with things. But he reminds me like a sort of, you know, a young Thierry Henry just getting it on the left-hand side. <laughs> and, oh, cutting the back and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, well, was, yeah, absolutely. Second striker vibes going wide. Um, and then I guess uh, Calvert-Lewin to just sort of keep developing as a young lad and see if he can... Yeah, you know, you know Adam, let me talk about this as well, is he gets a lot of stiff, Calvert-Lewin, I know he did last season, and again, you know, he was, he was playing out of position, he was playing wide left, but I, I spoke about it again in this channel, on the other week, and I spoke about Calvert-Lewin against mm. playing against, in, I'd, I would have had him up top, against United and Richarlison left, 
Yeah. Um, I think Lewin obviously is great early. Um, I think he's quick and behind. He can really stretch defences. And I think if you're playing Toast up front and you're playing Calvert Lewin up front, you know you got good balance, right? No, I think with Tosin, if, you, if you're defending against him, you're probably going to push up another five or ten yards. Mm. I think defending against Calvert-Lewin, you think he's quite quick. He's probably going to get him behind. Yeah, he scored so, against us. Yeah, I'm going to drop five or ten yards, potentially. So, if I do that, you're creating more space for the likes of Sigmund to get on the ball. So, I think Calvert-Lewin, in the long term, offers more for me, to be honest. But, yeah, know. he looks like a talented young lad. Like, and he's just he's so young, so he's got plenty of time. Um all right, so let's move on to Chelsea. And before we talk about get your sort of take on the team and, and everything else and the development, let's, let's bridge it with a, 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 one Ross Barkley. To be honest, mate, I only just thought of it. Actually, you know what? I forgot to mention, uh, I want to tell the listeners in the game, I actually I, I messaged you on Twitter about this. I, I've got to just uh, voice my embarrassment. I've, I've completely fucked up my shoulder from celebrating an in- a horrendously offside Morata goal. Um, <laughs> so I've got to come clean. I did that like sort of, uh, the sort of t- when you jerk your arms up and down too fast and like uh, did myself some damage. And then I watched the replay and I was like, Jesus Christ, I wasted my shoulder for that shit. <laughs> anyway, all right. So um, yeah, Ross Barkley clearly, I mean... Um, you know, on paper, you could be like, oh, he's coming on as a late sub. There could be narrative here. He's been in good form. Yeah. But I think um, it was pr- he actually made the side worse in terms of what Kovacic offered. And um, and he's, I think he seemed a bit rattled, you know, by the whole occasion. He, he, yeah. he did an interview with um, Sky or Jamie Redknapp and he tried, to, yeah. Yeah, he tried to act chill. But I think, I think you're always, a bit, always going to be a bit shut up. So uh, just before we get on to your sort of, uh, your sort of tactical and analysis on Chelsea generally, um, yeah. w- with Barkley... Um, as a as an Everton fan, do you feel like he's he's done wrong or wrong by you? Um, you know, what's your what's your thoughts on it generally as a as an Everton fan? It, it was a weird one, wasn't it? The way that he left Everton, it was it was really strange. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think he. You know, Everton really wants them to do well, and for me, you know, we obviously when Lukaku was there, you know, we. Oh, him and Lukaku were like he was—he was like the midfielder, and Lukaku was the forward for a while. Yeah, so you know he'd done well and stuff, but I just think Everton sort of—I think when there's rumours of him leaving, I think Everton obviously turned against him. And I know today when he was—he was warming up, the, the commentator was saying that the only place that he can actually warm up is down by <laughs> yeah, I saw that on the toughies, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think he was taking a lot of stick before he even, yeah. he even came on and stuff. So, well, that's football. You, know, you can't escape that, I don't think. I'm fair play. So, you know, he's gone to Chelsea, you know, top, top side. Um, you know, ultimately been running for, for titles and stuff. So sure. he's gone in there, you know, to, to try and get in. Obviously, under Conte, you know, he, he didn't really get a chance. But uh, yeah, I don't think Conte, like, in, you know, obviously everyone identified Ross as a big player for a long time. But I think Conte from... You know, Italy. He wanted, or he Conte lost lost his shit with Chelsea and the board because he wanted certain older, kind of like Jose. He's in, he's like Jose in many ways, but he wanted certain like ready-made players from Italy or here and the other. And they signed Chelsea. Have looked at Ross for a long time as like a, I think as a successor to Lampard. Like quite a few years ago, we were looking at him. And um, they were said, look, we got you Barkley. And he probably was like, who the fuck is Barkley? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he wouldn't have known. Um, and he just didn't really fancy him when we signed him. But um, yeah, yeah I, I, I kind of think like um, it wasn't like, obviously he's incredibly talented. and uh, But it wasn't like a big like controversial like 
um, I don't know why I'm thinking Neymar going to PSG because obviously that's mega bucks in like, uh, and like um, obviously uh, commercialism and stuff. But it wasn't like a sort of big controversial move, really. It was um, a guy who sort of it looked like his son had set on a club and he went um, he went for obviously a low amount of money. I think the fans could have been a bit pissed off in the in the sense of um, him not going before whether he was really injured or what happened and Everton not making that much money out of him there might have been a bit of like a sort of you know controversy there but it wasn't yeah, I, think that, I think that's where where it obviously really annoyed Everton fans yeah. so I think that was like the final nail on the coffin sure I yeah I think you're right I think you know there's a there's a argument to be made like the day he signed a contract at Chelsea even before he'd kicked a football and he hadn't kicked a football in a long time, that 15 million went to 30 million regardless. Do you know what I mean? Because he, was, he suddenly signed like a, what, a five-year contract and he's a young English midfielder. That's, even if he's out, he's, you know, he didn't even get to show form because he hadn't even played. But I think there's a sort of contractual thing there. But, yeah. you know, Chelsea fans didn't think we like... Obviously, we don't have a rivalry of Everton. Everton, there's no like bad blood at all. You know, we've got we've got you know Chelsea have got the there's a sort of long-standing thing with Liverpool, um, which we you know there's probably almost a bit of camaraderie with that. But um, there wasn't like we didn't think we'd like stuck one up Everton. We just thought, oh, why have we signed Barkley? Poor Ruben Loftus Cheek. You know, like at the time, even like what does this mean for Bakayoko? But you know, we're not yeah. we're not caring about that so much now. <laughs> Can't get game for AC Milan. Um, so there's a there's there's a there's a lot there's a lot of there was no for us there was no sort of controversy and we thought oh why have we done that oh we're just gonna flip him for thirty mil but he yeah. um he he got his head down and he studied like a sari ball from Sari's Napoli and he was the only one that didn't go to the World Cup or one of the ones that didn't go to the World yeah. Cup and just chatted to Sari I think like when he came back saying, look, I've been studying your Napoli side, because he obviously knew before the media that, well, everyone knew we were trying to get Sari for a long time, so he probably thought, I'll get my head in the, um, in the studying of, uh, of what midfielders do for Sari. Yeah. And he obviously really appreciated that and said, look, you know, even put him ahead of Loftus-Cheek, which is, um, yeah, the, yeah. The, cl- the club would have been like, look, this is, uh, this is someone we want you to work with. But anyway, so, so yeah, so that, that, that's it. Let me. I want to get your thoughts on um, without making it too sort of broad, asking you to like you know bl- bloody talk about everything to do with Chelsea. Like um, obviously we've got a new manager in. You as someone who likes tactics and um, seeing how people play, probably uh, have a bit of interest, I imagine, in terms of how Sari plays. So, uh, yeah. what what do you think of the appointment of Sari? Um, how we play and how, what what should be our realistic ambition this season in terms of like you know whatever trophies where we finish and um yeah. and squad and stuff what do you reckon i think i think in terms of obviously you know this season you know is that now is that unbeaten in 12 games is it um yeah it's like 18 it's, it's 18 all comps i think yeah and i think that's the best record since 94 i think that that they've had so um you know i think he's you know i think the thing in that is what's the word like has surprised me the most is, is how quickly he's got them playing to his style. You know, I think obviously I know Ross Barkley mentioned that they're doing double sessions. Yeah. Uh, and he's really I think he's put a real stamp on what he wants from the players early as well. So and you, you would have thought that this season for Chelsea could have been a transition period of obviously getting used to Sari and take a bit of time. But I think they've really adapted well, Chelsea. I think they really have. And you know, you've got obviously some quality players um mm. and I think all the players are buying into it. 
I think um, I think just sorry just to, just before you uh, move on to I, th- I think he I think he is quite surprised as well how quickly <laughs> how quickly things have caught on. I think um, the players are probably well suited to his style, but no one expected it it to go so well. I don't think you know it's um, including him. I think he always maintained like preseason and early doors in terms of presses. He was like, look, this is going to take a few months. I like, don't expect to see what I want to see for a few months. And although he maintains. It's not the finished article. He's like, yeah, this is going pretty well, you know. So he's been pretty like uh, open about in terms of how a- adaptation and progress. But yeah, yeah, um, go on, Callum. Let, let me know like what else you think in terms of like targets and stuff. Yeah, I, I think in terms of I think January is going to be a big one for Chelsea. Um, mm. I don't know about yourself, but I know like a few Chelsea fans aren't really keen on Morata. Um, yeah. I don't think he's, he's he's the real deal type thing. So it's further. You know, in these big games and stuff, can can we can you have a striker who's gonna you know get them winners and you know um, get more points or whatever? So rather rather than relying on Hazard um, to do it on his own type thing. So yeah, I think that that's gonna be a, a big influence on terms of where you finish this season. Um, and obviously, if you do well, or you win any trophies type thing. If is that obviously first of all, can you keep Hazard fit? Um, and then secondly, you know, can Morata you know really. So he shit out. Yeah, yeah, and you know, really finish his chances. That that he's like, you know, he, he can he can finish now and again. But I just think in the big games, he's got probably offered a little bit more. And I think today was a prime example of him. You know, getting frustrated when things weren't going as well and stuff. You know, it, it really irritates. I think he actually got booked as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think out of all of his book, he either gets booked for diving or um, or talking to the referee back, which is like eighty percent. He'll never get booked for like trying to attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Totally agree, but I think in terms of you know your back four, you know it's solid, isn't it? I think I think yeah. David Luiz being really he's coming to the team and he's looked a lot more assertive. I think now, yes. you know, obviously in the early days in Chelsea, he made some bad errors, didn't he? And he was yeah, yeah. So I think he's you know he's a lot more mature now, and, and everybody just you know seeing really solid the back and you know he's done well against us. They we really struggled to to break them down really. Mm. So I think Rudiger has been um, it's been huge for us actually. He's like a and um, I can't remember if it was Richarlison, but R- Rudiger's, if you as a man who sort of worked with Optus Stats, apparently Rudiger's the fifth fastest player in the league. Um, and as a centre-back, you know, it's um, for tracking back. I mean, uh, I know you want your full-backs maybe to be pacey and stuff. I think it might have been Richarlison. I can't remember when he, like, uh, he was like going toe-to-toe with one of your players. Yeah, went, and... went, went to the corner, didn't they? And you yeah. both went to the corner, and then I think... Um... Yeah, I think Rudiger won the free kick, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he's he's really strong. He's he scores headers and um, he holds the ball up as a defender well when he needs to, and he and he's pacey. So he's been excellent. And then we've got um, Louise as the sort of cultured bit more of a ball player. So I think the defence has been systematically very um, helpful towards us as well because uh, it's not just like you need two individual. Like, you know, you don't need like it's not like John Terry and Carvalho. You know, it's very much like you defend as a system as well. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. That's uh, that's, that's uh, you know, uh, yeah. So, so what do you what do you think for a target for Chelsea? Like, with with our, uh, I mean, but actually, before I ask you that, I want to just pick up on what you said about the striker. I agree, and Morat is the most frustrating thing for Chelsea fans. He, um, on paper, you could say like, right, we've got this sort of he's because he, he is a very good footballer. In terms of abilities, he scored the other day. He scored with both feet, both nice finishes. We, you know, last season he was the best header in the league. He scored like yeah. five headers in the in, in a row, 
And um, so it looks like he can do it all. And when he wants to, like one out of 50 games, he can actually look strong on the ball, but it's so rare. He, yeah. It looks like, you know, he'll never get that sort of Spanish floppy player out of him. But then again, yeah. so if you, if you look at that in terms of ability and then you look at Giroud for option B in terms of hold up and link up, because he is quite good and he's got a good touch in terms of laying off in one touch that Hazard bloody loves because he's like a big bouncy ball that he plays the ball off and knows he'll get it back. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, maybe even eventually Hazard playing not the Antonio Conte nine, which is long ball up to like a little midget technical player but more yeah. of what Dries, Dries Mertens did for Napoli because Dries Mertens is the same height as Hazard maybe even tinier they're both the same sort of shape and size and he yeah. scored like God knows how many goals he scored like over 30 goals for Napoli as a nine so you know you think Hazard might explode in that position yeah. but I think he does prefer playing on the left but it's, yeah. um, it's interesting what you say because I really don't know what would happen in January when when Morata scored like four and four uh, yeah. before this, I think, and then you just you see him do that, and at least with Costa, Costa would get wound up, he'd shout at the referee, he'd shout opposition yeah. players, but then he'd just bully off five players around him and put it in the corner. Um, yeah, and Morata doesn't do that. I think today, obviously, I watched the Palace game of the week, and Morata had quite a few chances he scored. Yeah, I think it was the frustrating thing was is. Everton denied a lot of space. You know, they, they, they defended in a deep block, so they, they defended on the edge of their own 18-yard box. Yeah. So there was yeah. never really a time where, you know, Morata could get him behind the back line to get a strike of goal. And he's that type of striker. He, You know, he, he wants to run in behind. He, he doesn't really like playing with his back to goal. He, no. he might like nah. his back. He'll light off to Hazard, then he's on the move straight away. Um, And, you know... It's difficult. It's it's similar to Vardy, really, at Leicester. You know, when you deny him space and behind, you sort of take away his game. Um, and I think that's where you, you spoke about Giroud and stuff, whether would he have been a, a better fit today in terms of playing up top type thing and offer something different because Everton just did deny so much space and behind in between the back line. Yeah, hind yeah. hindsight is a wonderful thing in this situation. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like you, what you say is completely right, but... Um, it's still like sort of no excuse for him to sort of start carry on being frustrated and behaving like that when you know it's it's not it's not helpful because he just gets himself wound up like Costa used to use that aggravation and getting wound up to his advantage whereas you know once Morat has done that he's just screwed for the game yeah it affects him yeah all right so um yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna take an opportunity because today was the Manchester derby. I want to do a quick bit on that, but just finally, where do you what do you think Chelsea can um, realistically achieve this season? It's gonna be, I think they're gonna run. I think they're gonna run Man City, Manchester City close um, and Liverpool. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I just think in terms of them, it's, I think the games the games against the top six will be the key. Um, can they get you know maximum points at home? Um, and obviously away from home, can they can he not get beat? Yeah. Um, you know, I think I, I said before, you know, a few weeks ago, I think this this season now, I think it's going to be like probably the closest finish in the Premier League season for a while. I think um, mm. you know, you look at you know the top three, they they're not losing games. You know, they're dropping one or two points. Um, I think City today proved that they were phenomenal again today. So I think they I think they're the ones to catch. Yeah, um, perhaps different gravy, mate. I, I mean, I, I really hope they don't they don't break this league, especially in terms of um, I don't want to get into financial doping and football leagues yeah. and all this and stuff. But uh, you'd like to think, hopefully, that 
that doesn't happen. That, 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 you, know, you know, we haven't lost yet and we're four points off the top. That's how tight it is. It's, you know, it, as I said before, the, the power four or five, you know, they are really pulling away. They're, they're not losing games. And if they are losing games or drawing, it's against, like, you know, the top end teams. Um, and the, the the lower team, it's easy for them to pick them off to win and away. So, yeah. I think you no know, January will be an important time for Chelsea um, going forward. So, I think you might do a bit of business there, and then obviously then the second part of the season, you know, you might surprise yourselves. You know, run Man City real close, I think. Okay, so a, 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 a top four, and maybe a cup. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think why not? I think everyone I've spoken to, and I spoke to um, and uh, a, a coach actually. Um, Cups in the Premier League for six years, mm. and he speaks really highly, highly of Saudi. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, yeah. so let's uh, that's going to wrap up for part one. Part two, we're going to do a, hopefully. Um, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to go on for too, too sort of long about the Manchester derby, but I think it's interesting that we talk about it because it was a game today and it's fresh in our minds. So uh, that's coming up next. All right, welcome back to part two. I'm still here with Callum. We're going to talk about um, the Manchester derby because that happened earlier and uh, it, it kind of went how I imagined it would went, would go rather, excuse me. It, even after the sort of um, the Juventus result with Man United, I just felt going to the Etihad after what happened last season with the United comeback. Pep was yeah. not going to have that again. So, um, what, what was what were your thoughts on the game generally, mate, as a whole? I think obviously Pep had the stalls set out, didn't he? And I think with obviously Pogba being out for United, I think United really struggled to come to terms with that. I think they had obviously no real pace in the field, did they? Of getting around the pitch and stuff. And I think Man City early, early doors were you know setting tempo early on and. Just couldn't get close to Manchester City, you know, that they're, they're yeah. a top, top side and got so many quick players. So, you know, it's keeping up with them players really and they move you around that much and, you, you know, you really do struggle to stay in your shape. You know, they switch the ball so quickly, they take the time, they draw players out. And I think once they play through, through your midfield line and into them pockets, you know, it's it's, it's going to be another attack, isn't it? And it probably should So. They um they they would have needed like a uh, vintage Juventus um a, a defense for that to sort of play off. What the, the what's the word? I'm forgetting the word. What's the word? Um, the Italian artistic defense word is it Catenaccio? What's it? I can't remember. Anyway, there's yeah, I can't remember. Man. I'm probably butchering that that word. So I'll, I'll move on. But um, yeah, like you said, there was no there was no mobility in pace in that midfield. Um, and it's almost like they had a few moments like. It would have been like, again, vintage Mourinho to soak up some and maybe bypass the midfield and get it on. Not even, not even like get it on Lukaku, but like just get Martial to take one down and and you know yeah. in into play with Rashford and Lingard. I could see on paper maybe that would have been his um, would have been maybe his plan and get get Fellaini up in there all elbows and set pieces and I mean, but it it it, it was that game to me. It's just testament to where both teams are at the moment, you yeah. know. Um, it, it's frustrating, like uh, especially after that Juventus result. I think for me, 
that 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 result was a little bit of a no, of a no, uh, an anomaly. Excuse me, that's easy for me to say uh, <laughs> because uh, I think Juve were really naive to um, put Barzagli on and try and um, show off their defensive skills and try and like you know sit out the one nil win, especially yeah. when you've got Jose who loves sticking it in the mix of these days. Um, yeah. But I want to you know we've talked about throughout the pod a little bit about City being the benchmark and stuff but um, what what do you think because let's be honest it's box office at the moment it's headlines Man United everyone knows the deal with Man City but how the mighty have fallen with Man United yeah. what 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 do you think is, is the deal with them do you, th- do you think Jose should stay do you think you know it's crisis I mean fr- from your sort of a bit more educated uh coaching perspective um because we can all look at it from like a media narrative um is jose what he used to be this that and the other but do you think jose's he should stay they've got the players for him he's got the players that he wanted or what do you reckon it's just a difficult one isn't it i just i just think you see today you know city base united you know city a million years ahead of them aren't they in terms of quality and the way that they play and you know Mourinho's obviously you know, in his time at Chelsea and stuff, he's won trophies everywhere he's been and stuff. And I think now the Premier League's changed, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, it's gone in a different way. You know, he likes Chelsea. You've got Liverpool and even Arsenal at the moment, and and you know City, different brand of football. It's exciting. It's quick. It's, it's fast. And I think you know United haven't got the players to, to match that. Um, in terms of quality, you look at the bench today. They had Sanchez, Lukaku, Matter on the bench, top top players. Yeah. Not yeah. not in the starting eleven, but again, it, you know, it's been a season of chopping and changing players. You know, Martial wasn't getting the game, and you know now he's coming in. And he I think he scored in the last however many games he scored, and he's played very well. But you think he's playing for the move? I think I think I think I think the Sanchez thing was a big one, wasn't it? Coming in. Obviously, with that big, massive pay package that he was going to go on, and for me, surely somewhere along the line, that's got to have had a knock-on effect on the team. But you know how much money he's been on; he's actually produced absolutely nothing. I think that's huge, actually, Callum. I, 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 yeah, I, obviously, before he came in, Martial would won like Player of the Month for United three months in a row. He was scoring loads of goals. He was their best player, and suddenly yeah. he's been benched for this guy. He's on like ridiculous money and can't score a goal or, and, and I think he broke a record for like giving uh, conceding possession in one game for a single yeah. player so, which is just you know it's laughable isn't it if you think about in the context of what of you know of the transfer the player and the team I mean it's difficult <laughs> it's difficult to have sympathy for United because the fans have had it their own way for so long yeah but they yeah. you know they've got a good history and they, they built the, themselves up for you know it, you know there's been no like Again, when you look at it as Man City, like it's um, it's you know it's it is very much like they've put just loads of money in, haven't they? I mean, I can't say too much because I'm a Chelsea fan and we were the original financial doping <laughs> in yeah. two thousand two thousand and three and four, whatever. <laughs> uh, and it was a similar situation because I, I don't know where City were, but Ch- Chelsea were. A, just about a top four team when Abramovich bought us, you know, we'd won it with Viali made us good again. We'd done another FA Cup and uh, we, we weren't breaking any rules at the time, you know. Um, 
but maybe it looks like maybe City have broken some rules. But there, there's not the, the issue is there's not much romance there, is there? Um, so it's it's as it's, it's amazing the, as the football is, and it is amazing. Um, it's 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 not it's not a gutsy, inspiring story at all, really, um, which is frustrating. But I guess that's football, and and and, and we're not going to. But we, you know, <laughs> I refuse to be talking about European Super Leagues, this, that, and the other, and uh, mon- yeah. and money too much, you know, because again, that's another podcast and stuff. But um, so it's 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 almost like I'd like to. It, it's always. I don't want to see Manchester. United. I, I had some guys on the podcast last week, and one's a United fan, and another one's a Chelsea fan, and we talked about this a little bit, Man United a lot, because one, you know, is a United fan, he's a podcast host and stuff, and uh, we we talked about this a little bit, and and the other the other geezer who's a Chelsea fan, he was saying, we don't, we, you know, we don't want we don't want to see Man United like this. Ultimately, in the long run, it's it's fun to see him not dominate, but you know. It, it's, this superpower just—it's funny to laugh for a while, but now you want all right, guys, pick yourselves up and yeah, slap yeah. slap City about yeah. a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, you've you've—it's—and I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean yeah. that in the in the Premier League, like, be yeah. good again way. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, do, do you do you see like a sort of like a long term reign of dominance with Man City, or do you see it evening yeah. out? What what do you reckon? I think. I think City are going to be obviously the ones who are going to push everyone, aren't they? And I think as long as Pep's there, you know, yeah. they're all the team to beat, I think, in terms of what he brings. And obviously the money that they've got as well. But I think when, you know, it's supposed to have money, but it's about bringing the right players, you know, and players who can fit into philosophy. And, you know, you see United, you see Man City today, you know, they've absolutely, you know, taught Man United a lesson. And you haven't even had Kevin De Bruyne playing. <laughs> it's nuts. Doing it without him, you know. Anyone who comes in, you know, they're doing the business for them. So I just think, you know, it is a shame for Man United. But at the end of the day, you know, you've dominated the Premier League since, since day one, haven't you? Year after year after year. And mm. sometimes fans got bored of it because it was like, you know, half the season. And United were really good already. And I think now it's gone in a totally different way now. And yeah. they, they're dropping down. And I think they are in a, a transition. They really are. And, you know, like you said before, Mourinho... Is, is he going to stay? He doesn't really stay longer than three seasons. So nah. will, he, will, he, will he resign at the end of the season? Will he be let go? It's, you know, it's all under... You know, and the thing is, if he does leave, you know, who did he go and get? Yeah, he can't stay, mate. For me, he can't. I mean, like, I know, again, we've talked about this in the previous pod, like, because there, there, there seems to be, like, a big opinion with United fans. Something's a bit rotten there. Is it the Glazers happy that they're making more money than ever? And underneath the Glazers, they've got Woodward, which is a yes man who's made them loads of money and he does what they want. So why would they get rid of him? And this guy, and Stan, who was on before, he was saying part of him doesn't want Jose to go because Jose is the absolute opposite of a yes man. So he's like, maybe that's the last sort of, like, um, bastion of just sort of bending over and taking it from the money makers above um yeah. but then but then again it just can't go on like this in my opinion i i don't think I, and like yeah. you know maybe maybe a jardim to come in and get the best out of martial he brought him through um and he's good at he's good at working with what he's got and bringing through players and um, you know then what was there zidane who's arguably yeah. a really good man manager which might work but he's never built a team yeah, and you know he's never he's you know he worked well for him. he sort of walked into the Real Madrid uh, management role through through his path and 
you know, being sort of slam dunked into the Premier League <laughs> with like a, a big job. I don't think that he's going to be able to do that. Um, he'd, be given, he'd, he'd be given the money, wouldn't he? But again, yeah. it, it, is, it is building a team. And, you know, you look at United's team today, you know, I was speaking before and, you know, the back four, you've got Ashley Young playing right back. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? Right back. Mm. He's left side midfielder attacking full backs with crosses in. And he's playing it right back today. It's just, it's it's mental, isn't it? how the, the team chain obviously got injuries and that kind of stuff but still you can no. bring out you spent a lot of money as well it's just nuts how they've got themselves in that position yeah but, uh, and another thing just to, you know with, with Zidane as well he'd be great for branding because you know he's you know maybe one of the coolest guys in football and in terms of like what he'd be worth he'd be great for brand united wouldn't he but it'd be, um, great. It'd be great for the Premier League wouldn't it you yeah, know, yeah. League as well it'd be amazing but Again, it obviously, you know. I mean, it would be sad to watch him fucking fail. <laughs> like, you know, you'd be like, oh, God, Zidane's cool, but look at him. He's at 10 for United and they've got to get rid of him. It's just yeah. an absolute. I mean, it's, it's a roller coaster ride. Uh, no one knows what the hell's going on. There's only. That, the frustrating thing is there's only one known quantity at the moment, and that's Manchester City. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really, I think it's up to the sort of the rest of the league to see if they can keep the Premier League as competitive as possible. But I think yeah. if that can't happen, the only thing we can take comfort... I mean, it's amazing watching the best quality of football, watching the stuff they can do when you're in neutral or watching them play your rivals. Like, you know, you might watch Man City the next time they play Liverpool and if they tear them a new one, you might take pleasure in that. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, like, in, other than just being completely objective every now and again, it's a yeah. bit like I don't want them to break the league. So, really, I think the only thing is if... <laughs> Pep doesn't seem to hang around for so long, does he? Because he's so intense. Um, yeah. He's not as chilled as like, you know, Klopp's in, intense, but I think he's got a bit more of a chilled demeanor, maybe slightly, maybe like Sari certainly. He's got a very, he's almost like a bit of a, at times a bit like Wenger, like chilled in terms of how he deals with the players, but he wants a very intense style of play. I don't know if he's going to, I think he's maybe a bit, a bit less likely to burn out in terms of, how he coaches teams. I think Pep, that's why he took a sabbatical, I think, because he just lost his shit, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so whether whether he will, uh, will hang around. But um, yeah, listen, mate, we've, uh, we've, done a, we've done a good good stint here. So um, I think I want to wrap it up, but I want to thank you for coming on, mate. It's been really interesting getting your sort of, uh, your perspective. You can tell that you've got an analysis uh, view on things and uh, coaching and that. Um, and hopefully we can do this again. I totally agree. I really appreciate you having me on. No, I loved it, mate. It's really interesting. Um, and yeah, obviously after the game, uh, I mean, I mean, I could get you on, and we could talk about other games and get your sort of um, your, yep. your educated opinion on how uh, how teams play. But do you um do you want to plug your Twitter or, so, or something so people can follow you? Yeah, follow me on um, YSC underscore ten, I think it is. So you'll, you'll find me there. So YSC yeah. there. So yeah, at Y underscore C ten. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, I don't want to just butcher that. All right, yeah. mate. Thank you very much. Okay, guys, that was Callum Wyatt, football analyst, Evertonian, and just generally nice guy. Yeah, I really enjoyed that uh, conversation we had about the game and uh, the Manchester derby and just uh, sort of football. I really uh, really found it interesting, so I'll hopefully get him back at some point. Uh, definitely for the reversed fixture, I think, when we go to Goodison Park. I'd like to get his, uh, his take on a, a preview or maybe a match review. And generally how the league's looking, because he seems like he knows his onions. 
Cool. All right, guys. Um, thanks again for listening to the Yannickle Chelsea podcast. I've had a lot of people asking to come on and do some guests, and uh, I seem to, um, from the last episode, I had some positive feedback, so I'll probably be looking to do a lot more guests now. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Chelsea Yannick, for uh, latest news and general Chelsea stuff. And yeah, hop on iTunes and give me a five-star rating, you lovely people, because that helps me out. <laughs> All right then, with all that being said, up the chills, keep the blue flag flying high, and you know what, carefree, wherever you may be. Have a good week, ladies and gentlemen. I'll see you later.